reminds me. There's a documentary on Netflix called Broken that talked exactly about about this. I was like, oh let's get God. in on this. <laughs> like, this is getting big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if, if Netflix is covering it in tandem with the fact that it's becoming such a national issue that you have, you know, everyone worried about it. I mean, yeah, like Netflix is the new CBS, NBC. Like, if they're covering it, then yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> if it's streaming, it's got to be relevant. <laughs> okay. Um, All right, here we go. Hi everyone, I'm Rick Carrillo. And I'm Josh McCormick. This is Salute Talks. Let's try a fun experiment. Look around where you are at the moment, whether you're driving or even sitting at your home. Do you know what chemicals are in the items on your shelves, in your car, and even in your couch? There are hundreds, if not thousands, of unregulated chemicals on the market today and in people's homes. What's worse is they can be extremely harmful, especially to those who are sensitive to these substances and don't even know it. Today, we're talking with Mike Shade, the campaign director of Safer Chemicals Mind the Store campaign. His work revolves around educating consumers about these very risks and helps consumers find a way to bring accountability to retailers. So, Mike, welcome to Salute Talks. Yeah, thank you. Really excited to be here today. Appreciate the opportunity. Mike, can you provide listeners with some context behind this issue, specifically how we find ourselves in a society filled with chemically saturated products? Just briefly, I will say that, um, you know, I think our modern chemically intensive society in many ways began after World War II, when many modern industrial chemicals were being uh, developed and introduced into commerce. Um, So, you know, after the 1940s, you know, the chemical industry exploded. And, you know, if you look at the... um, the growth of chemicals over the past 50, 60, 70 years, I mean, it's been it's been massive and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. You know, since World War II, chemicals have been used to make all sorts of um, consumer products from plastics to cleaning products and detergents to even materials that go into baby products, furniture. Everywhere you look, everything you touch is, is commonly filled with chemicals, some of which can be extremely hazardous. So when did we first begin to discover the harms these chemicals can cause? It was really in the 1960s that we started learning about the dangers that industrial chemicals can pose to not only humans, but especially wildlife. And since then, in the 1970s, I think communities across America were really awakened when they learned about the tragedy at Love Canal, when a housing development was built in Niagara Falls, New York, on top of 20,000 tons of toxic waste residents uh, organized themselves and forced the government to relocate this community. Also around that time in the late 1970s, uh, Congress enacted legislation, the Toxic Substances Control Act, uh, that was uh, created to regulate harmful chemicals like PCBs. That sounds like great progress, but it doesn't really seem like we were able to keep up that trend. Is that right? Sadly, we have not really come very far because Um, since the Toxic Substances Control Act was enacted in the mid to late 1970s, the EPA has only sufficiently banned or restricted five chemicals out of thousands and thousands and thousands on the market. So while we've uh, learned a lot about the dangers that chemicals can pose to our health, sadly, we have a long way to go to sufficiently safeguard American families 
uh, from from dangerous chemicals. So applying a logic model, you know, where if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. If the majority of these plants um, that produce these toxic chemicals are in impoverished, underserved minority neighborhoods, then it's safe to assume that the primary demographic that's being affected would be minorities, people of color, people who are underserved, right? Yeah, there's no question that, you know, across the board, unfortunately, people of color, low-income communities are among those that are most directly and disproportionately affected by our toxic chemical economy from their use in products. You know, it's not, it's not uncommon for us to find some of the worst of the worst chemicals in, in cheap products sold at dollar stores and other discount retailers. And, you know, finally, when these products are disposed of, uh, environmental justice communities are also adversely affected. Uh, but it's also worth noting that other populations are also at serious risk as well. The workers that work in the chemical plants, the workers that work at landfills or incinerators are also disproportionately affected. But this is an issue that not only, you know, disproportionately affects environmental justice communities, low-income communities, communities of color, but it's also an issue uh, for all Americans. You know, whether you're rich, poor, black, or white, um, all of us day in and day, day out can be exposed to dangerous chemicals, especially, if, you know, if you live near a chemical plant or a landfill, yes, of course, you're going to be much more exposed. But even for your average consumer, if, you know, say someone lives in a, you know, so-called middle-class community in the suburbs, uh, from the products we use in our daily lives, from the cleaning products to the cosmetics to toys and electronics, consumers are also exposed as well. Whether you're, you know, lower income, middle income, or higher income, uh, we're all exposed to chemicals from the products that we use and buy on a on a daily basis. You know, I remember a time when um, the concept of pesticides um, being used in the, I guess, in agricultural, was a big issue because it was something where you did worry about how the consumer would be affected by pesticides, but there was a shifting of attention away from the actual um, workers themselves. And I think what's really interesting is that if we look at both, you know, if we look at both situations or, or both moments of crisis in the country, it feels like these these expo- the, the exposure to toxic chemicals feels a little more impressive, as it were, because you're looking at a very nationwide application of how people can be affected versus exclusively to like farm workers or agricultural workers. And Mike, in that vein, I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts about this issue concerning its presence on the national platform. Do you see chemical awareness moving in the direction pesticides or maybe even lead had that gained significant movement in those issues? You know, I would definitely say it started to. I would say over the past 20 years, we've seen an incredible amount of activity to uh, begin regulating chemicals in our daily lives. You know, if you if you take a step back, we've seen dozens of states across the country over the past 10, 20 years enact laws to safeguard American families, consumers. There's been 194 state policies adopted in 38 states uh, in recent years regulating chemicals like BPA in baby bottles, lead in kids' toys, flame retardants in furniture, and now PFAS in food packaging. So, uh, you know, just like we saw, I think in the 1980s and 1990s, greater restrictions on 
uh, herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, I think we're beginning to see more and more regulations on chemicals of concern in consumer products. Uh, the leadership has sadly not been at the federal level. Leadership is really at the local level, at the state level, and in the marketplace. How so? Over the past 20 years or so, we have seen um, more and more leadership from large corporations uh, that have stepped in to fill this, this major gap that we see at the federal level, this major regulatory gap. Uh, we're seeing healthcare companies step up, companies like Kaiser Permanente to restrict chemicals in the products that they, uh, that they use in hospitals. We've seen um, electronics firms like Apple, uh, furniture companies like Ashley Furniture, and uh, major big box stores like Walmart, Target, pharmacy chains like CVS, and even Amazon uh, begin to step up to restrict harmful chemicals in our products. And I think like with pesticides and herbicides, one of the, I think one of the things that has been really compelling is telling the story about how all of us are exposed. You know, so going back to the farm worker issues you, you talked about, I think you know, one of the things that has been interesting about pesticides and herbicides that has been really powerful is not only telling the story of how farm workers and farm worker communities are directly affected, but how consumers and children and families are also affected by herbicides and pesticides because these herbicides and pesticides are not only um, contaminating the farm workers and those communities where farms are, but also consumers are exposed from the food that we eat. And I think we're beginning to see the same uh, type of change around restricting chemicals in everyday consumer products because we're able to say, hey, look, this is not only a problem for you know, the chemical plants and the factories where these products are made, but you're being exposed to these chemicals from the shampoo that you use and the, you know, the, the TV in your living room or the food packaging that you may have uh, that, you're, that you're buying at the grocery store or the, the, the fast food that you're buying from McDonald's, you know, you're being exposed to PFAS or phthalates from there. So I think that's been one of the ways in which we're beginning to gain traction is kind of making it more personal and connecting our uh, day in, day out, our daily activities with chemicals we're being exposed to in our homes. Going back to how widespread of an issue this is, based on the research, is there the potential that this mass chemical exposure that we're all experiencing could come back to harm us, maybe similar to how for years people smoked cigarettes and didn't know the potential health outcomes, but later found out that it caused numerous adverse effects? Um, you know, it's hard to say for sure, right? It's hard to predict what may come in the future, but I think certainly if the uh, the growth of the toxic chemical industry remains unchecked, um, I think there's a very, very, very strong likelihood that we will continue to see some of these health problems continue to grow and, and frankly, worsen. And it's something that I and many others are, are deeply concerned about. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're raising a society that is now sicker than previous generations. Um, you know, children today are, are, are born pre-polluted with dozens, if not hundreds of industrial chemicals that um, had never existed before. 
we're also creating a generation that is dependent on a lot of these products. I mean, I can, you know, I, I'm using your example of, of kind of walking through a day in the life. I mean, there's about so many products that we feel we can live without, you know, technology, obviously, but also just, you know, society kind of dictates with their, with the marketing and advertising strategies, you know, for Latinos, for example, they're considered super consumers. And a lot of companies will, will take the time to market exclusively to Latinos with a big disregard to what exactly is in those products. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, you know, so many of us are, um, you know, I think <laughs> living in a very, you know, consumer-oriented society. You know, I know I do, you know, people are, you know, sadly many of us are shopaholics and buying all sorts of stuff that we really don't need, but we're, you know, um, you know, trained to think that we need these products, um, some of which we, of course, do. And, you know, there's many products that enhance and improve our lives. Um, but unfortunately, for many products that we use and come in contact with on a daily basis, that is contributing to uh, our exposure to really harmful chemicals that can increase our risk of cancer, reproductive harm, asthma, learning developmental disabilities. I mean, for many products, you know, it's not going to make you stick right now, but, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, you may find that, you know, you develop, you know, prostate cancer or breast cancer or that you have asthma and you're stuck, you know, scratching your head. You know why? And it's because of one, you know, if you talk to scientists, toxicologists, epidemiologists and others, public health researchers that study these chemicals, they'll say that our exposure to chemicals is, is an important contributor to um, some of these diseases. Now, it's not the only thing. Certainly, other lifestyle factors play a role. Um, you know, hereditary plays a role. But you know, uh, you know what your family gene pool uh, is. You know, your genetics is not the only thing that is uh, causing uh, X, Y, and Z health problems that we're seeing um, in our communities. And uh, so that's why we need uh, greater regulation. But I think you're right that we also need to call into question our own consumer habits and ask, you know, is this something that I really need to make myself happy? Is this something that, um, you know, is this something that is really going to be fulfilling? Or am I, you know, playing Russian roulette with my health by using a product that could be exposing myself to potentially harmful chemicals? Now, the good news is that there are safer solutions that are out there. You know, we're not saying that we need to go back to the Stone Age and you know, live in caves or whatever, you know, we can make products that are safer and healthier that are free of hazardous chemicals. You know, to give an example of that, you know, uh, if you look at an iPhone, right, a very popular product with many folks today, um, five, 10 years ago, most iPhones were made with um, extremely hazardous chemicals like brominated flame retardants, PVC plastic, phthalates, uh, Apple, in response to pressure by advocacy organizations, uh, announced that they were developing a chemical policy and they were going to phase out hazardous chemicals, uh, not only in the iPhone, but other uh, electronics products that Apple makes. So they're an example of a company that has been really successful and that has developed products that are not only innovative and really impressive from a technological perspective, but also are safer from an environmental health perspective. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that they're completely sustainable, especially when, you know, people have to replace their iPhones every few years or so. However, 
I give Apple a lot of credit for designing a product that has removed some of the worst of the worst chemicals that used to be commonly found in, in electronics, uh, like cell phones. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Amanda Merck, a digital content curator with Salute America. Every school has children who have been exposed to trauma, violence, and overwhelming experiences. To help these students, schools and law enforcement across the country are partnering to launch the Handle With Care program, where police send a notification to schools when they come across a child at the scene of an incident. We at Salute America collaborated with the West Virginia Center for Children's Justice to bring you all the resources you need to get Handle With Care started in your community. Download the action pack now at salute.to slash handlewithcare. Hi, this is Stacey Cantu, a digital content curator at Salud America. The Institute for Health Promotion Research at UT Health San Antonio serves as the research powerhouse behind our organization. Salud America produces relevant and timely content about Latino disparities driven by the Institute's study of those trends. To read that work, visit salud.to slash research. Thank you. So on this topic of what people can do on the consumer side, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Mind the Store and Safer Chemicals, the resources you guys offer, what consumers can do in their daily lives to better themselves and their chemical exposure. Yeah. So, you know, when you when you go into a store that you shop at, right, whether it's, you know, a dollar store or a Walmart or if you shop online on Amazon, which, you know, I will admit that I do, you know, we expect the products that we buy to be safe. Um, but unfortunately, as we've been talking about, toxic chemicals can be hiding in all sorts of products that we uh, buy every day, from cleaning products to cosmetics to food packaging. Um, and we think that retailers have a fundamental moral responsibility to ensure that the products that they sell are safe. Um, like we've talked about, the federal government has been asleep at the wheel when it when it comes to protecting consumers and workers and communities from dangerous chemicals. So the motto behind our mind, the store campaign, is with great market power comes great responsibility. We think that retailers have a fundamental responsibility, as well as the power and influence to drive harmful chemicals out of products they sell. You know, look, these companies like Walmart and Amazon they have such enormous power over their suppliers. In what ways? You know, a lot of times we hear stories of how, you know, Walmart and Amazon and others are, you know, forcing their suppliers to drive down prices. Well, think about, you know, can a company like Walmart use their power to say to their suppliers, we don't want any cancer-causing chemicals in our products. You know, we don't want any chemicals in our products that can cause asthma. We don't want any chemicals in our products that um, can cause birth defects in baby boys. And so that's kind of the whole idea behind our campaign. We're calling on major retailers, these giant corporations that have tens of billions of dollars in sale every year to use their power and influence to get tough on toxic chemicals, to not only push their suppliers to reduce and eliminate dangerous chemicals, but also to ensure that the products that they sell are safe. And at the same time, to promote greater ingredient transparency so that when you go shopping, you don't have to do an incredible amount of online research just to find out 
whether, you know, what chemicals are in the product. So we're calling on retailers to drive out the worst of the worst chemicals and develop more systemic chemical policies to protect not only consumers, but also the communities and the workers where those products are manufactured um, or disposed of. Mike, how can listeners take action in this issue beyond purchasing fewer chemically harmful products? What are the ways they can make an impact in their community or maybe even at large? Well, for one, you know, we, you know, we're, we're, we're encouraging as many consumers and folks across the country to challenge these major corporations from Walmart and Target to Safeway and Shaw's and others to use their power and influence to drive harmful chemicals out of their supply chain. So folks should definitely visit our website. Makes it really easy to understand what retailers are leading and what retailers are lagging when it comes to protecting consumers from dangerous chemicals. Uh, And if you go there, you can not only see how companies compare and contrast, but you can also take action and send an email to the companies. In our most recent assessment, we evaluated 40 major retailers on whether or not they have um, robust chemical policies in place or not. We found 19 out of 40 uh, received failing grades. They got letter grades of F, uh, and 12 out of 19 got zero out of 135 possible points. You know, when you're shopping, you know, you should think about, okay, do I really want to support one of these companies that got a failing grade? You know, companies care what their what their customers think. So, uh, you know, we think it's important for people to not only raise their voices, but also to shop with their dollars. And then finally, think about getting involved in local or in a local organization in your community. There are many great organizations all across the country that are working to um, uh, safeguard uh, communities and consumers from dangerous chemicals. We're seeing an incredible amount of activity at the grassroots level to do things like get lead out of household paint and lead out of drinking water and PFAS out of drinking water. So try to do some research and find out if there's a local organization in your community that's working on a local environmental health or environmental justice challenge. And if not, um, see if some of your neighbors or parents at your children's school would like to work with you to get involved in a local environmental health issue or challenge. So I think what's great and what I noticed that from a consumer standpoint is that you have a rate your retailer portion on your website. And I think that's great because it sounds like in in the midst of, of a consumer-driven market, it feels that the more power you put into the hands of the consumer, the more visibility you put into what's in the products they're purchasing, but also what type of accountability they can put on their retailers. I think that's that's critical. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, I don't think that people realize how much power that they have as consumers to drive change. Um, you know, since we launched the campaign, uh, we've convinced some of the world's biggest retailers to phase out a um, number of really toxic chemicals from key products that they sell. We've pushed companies to get flame retardants out of furniture, uh, phthalates out of vinyl flooring, um, power bins and formaldehyde out of beauty and cleaning products, uh, and most recently, methylene chloride uh, out of paint strippers and paint removal products. So what we've been doing is really trying to leverage the power and influence of consumers to challenge and push big retailers to leverage their power to get tough on toxics and get dangerous chemicals out of the products, as well as the packaging that they sell. And that's, you know, that's that's the whole idea behind the campaign. We think that retailers should, quote, mine the store uh, to help protect the customers that they sell. Because the customers today are different from consumers, say, 10, 20, 
30 years ago, people care, you know, the, the baby shampoo that they're buying for the newborn doesn't contain a chemical that could increase the risk of cancer 30 years from now. Not going to expose them to a phthalate chemical that could increase the risk of asthma or autism. So we're really trying to harness that consumer power to drive change up and down global supply chains. Thank you again to Mike for bringing a little more awareness on the chemicals to which we can be exposed. To find out more information on the retailers you shop, visit saferchemicals.org or by checking out this episode's webpage at salute.to backslash salute talks. Salute Talks is produced by Rick Carrillo, Josh McCormick, and the media team at Salute America. It is executive produced by Dr. Amelie Ramirez. The music heard on this podcast is produced by Bonus Points. Find Salute America online at salute-america.org. Find us on all social platforms at Salute America to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out our award-winning videos on our YouTube channel at salute.to backslash video. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Thanks for listening, and as always, we hope you enjoy it.